and welcome to Cruise for Forever Reviewsin, the podcast where I get a friend to watch a Tom Cruise movie they've never seen before and then review it with me. I'm your host, Cara Westworth, and today I am rejoined by Jimmy to talk about Rogue Nation Part 2. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad we broke when we did. That last part is so stressful. It's <laughs> so stressful. You don't like water. You don't want to watch that scene. <laughs> My God. <sighs> I can barely... Uh, breathe watching that scene knowing that Tom Cruise can breathe underwater for six minutes if you haven't listened to the last episode please do just to bring you back in in case it's been a week since you've listened in basically they have managed to get this ledger of information that Solomon Lane is desperate for Ilsa Faust helped Ethan and Benji get it but just as they thought she was on their side she zaps Benji with a defibrillator and runs off with a USB so now they've got to go chase after her uh, chase her they do so this is a, another epic it goes straight into another epic scene I actually, yeah, I, I think this was actually brilliant because this scene is much more comedic. Yes. This, this is like a Three Stooges yes, cartoon. Yes, it's, it's a little bit slapsticky. So basically, Ethan almost, like, Ethan pretty much died and has been brought back. So he is out of it. But, you know, they've got to go. So once Benji rouses after being defibrillated, they run out and they get into the car. Meanwhile, Elsa has been picked up by some of Lane's goons and she's sitting up to her a motorbike. And they're like, where's Ethan? And she's like, he's dead. And just as they're about to zoom off on their motorbike, she does this really cool thing where she goes, like a burnout, spins around and knocks their bikes over so she can get away from them. Um, which, why not? Everyone has dreamt of knocking over a big, <laughs> like a Domino's effect of motorbikes in their life. So she zooms off. So Ethan, like he tries to jump over the car in true Ethan fashion, but trips and just falls over. Benji's like, you can't drive. You were dead a second ago. And he's like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. He's clearly not fine. Uh, racing around in a BMW through the back streets of Morocco. They see Ilsa. They start chasing. It's um pretty quick little zipping around, you know, hitting wicker baskets, things go flying, kind of that one of those typical kind of chase scenes, which is very, very fun. Then they, like, they go over some stairs and Benji's like, stairs, 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 stairs. And they just go over these stairs and, like, it's really cute where Benji, like, smashes his head on the dashboard and just turns and glares at, <laughs> e- at Ethan. Like, Ethan did it on purpose. Yeah, so it's really cute and funny how they do it they actually come zooming out of a side street and like side swap a car stop and they look up and it's luther and brand in this giant four-wheel drive just who are looking for them and like oh there they are it was and- a great great line actually where luther said no what i said was i can locate him it's up to you to find him and that scene happens and luther's like oh found him <laughs> Beautiful. Like I said, the comic timing in this scene is impeccable. Yeah, they're, they're going they're facing the opposite way. So uh, Benji and Ethan zoom off and this big four-wheel drive and he's like, come on, hurry up. And he's like, you're the one who had to get a four-by-four, didn't you? He's like, do you want me to drive? And they're like bickering like a little old couple. And like, they're just so slow. And slowly zoom off after a million miles behind them because Ilsa is off like a rocket on the motorbike. There's all the other motorbikes are now chasing them both and they're getting shot out and it's yeah, a really good car chase at some point. Like, and also the, he uses the car as a really good weapon to like knock people off the bikes. Like he, he just chucks it, does a handbrake stop and spins around and then just flips off people off their bikes and mm. really cool. Those, uh, those bikers are dead. Yeah, they're like... just squished. So they're like, <laughs> you see cars hitting them out behind them. Uh, yeah, that's what happens when you fuck with Ethan Hunt in a big car, eh? Yeah. 
it was this was it was such a good palate cleanser to the incredibly stressful nail biting edge of the seat scene that preceded it. Yep. To being just this comic Bugs Bunny cartoon with <laughs> car crashes and explosions. It Especially because like the last one, in the it was all really dark and gloomy, and you know Ethan died. But then all of a sudden everything's really it's Morocco, so it's really bright and colourful. And yeah, it would, like you said, a really good palate cleanser but, for the stress before the car chase ends. They're somehow managed going backwards and. Ethan's like, you put your seatbelt on, right? He's like, you're asking me now? And he speeds up. I don't, I don't know if BMWs can go that fast in reverse, but he just flies out. And I guess Ethan knows the, back st- the streets of Morocco because he knows that he's just they go airborne, they go in the air, and then they just crash into like a big car park kind of thing and just turn around, smash. Benji's knocked out. Ethan uh, is awake. and They're upside down and they can see. The airbags finally deploy. Yes. Another, <laughs> another comic bit of genius is even after, I, lo- I love it because Benji hit his head and yep. then the airbags yeah. deploy. <laughs> There's a guy on the motorbike pulls up and you can see him, like he gets a gun out and he's walking up and Ethan's like trying to get out. And then all of a sudden, doosh, the 4x4 <laughs> comes and just hits this guy. And luckily they're safe for that big beast of a car. As soon as they get him out and they're like, okay, we're together, what do we do? And Ethan's just like, nah, out here just jumps on a motorbike obviously barely still like knowing where where he is Mm -hmm. but just grabs a pair of sunglasses just jumps on a motorbike and keeps chasing because he sees that all the bikes off in the distance and now there is a suddenly a motorbike chase on big dusty open highways and it's intense like because once again he's not wearing a helmet i don't know why tom cruise refuses to wear helmets on motorbikes (laughs) your beautiful head will not survive this ethan uh tom cruise yeah so and this is one of those ones that was all real like you, you watch the making of and it's fucking mad so he's chasing them he's knocking people off again and he finally there's an to go up a big windy road up a big mountain and he gets stuck behind a big slow truck and he's trying to dart out and he finally catches up to her except what she does is she stopped him at a bike and she just steps on the road mm-hmm. knowing he's not going to hit mm-hmm. her so he smashes off the bike goes rolling and she just has a sad look and just gets on a motorbike and drives away and Ethan's like lying there going ah shit what I love about this is this is the first time in five movies I've actually had doubts whether or not Ethan Hunt can do this you know after after being through, like, I'm, I'm it's beginning to feel like Ethan Hunt has too much confidence in his own abilities. Mm-hmm. And it's really good seeing that in this movie, that he is a human being and that he can be quite vulnerable. And the amount of times that he's just faced with situations that he can't handle mm-hmm. by himself was just a really, really nice insertion into this movie. They've lost this file and they, they all meet up at, like, a dusty old bar. And, like, Benji, tell us that wasn't the only copy of... <laughs> of the ledgerite and Benji's like am I a fucking dumbass or what you idiots and so yeah he's, they have it they haven't lost the mission the only problem is Solomon Lane's gonna have the file too and he's the last person they want to have this file but so anyway Ilsa is actually back in London so as it turns out this was what she thought was going to be her out of this mission is that she would present this information to Attlee who's the head of British intelligence and he's basically like hmm, nah you're not out you've still got work to do and lets her take the USB and and she's just like, yeah, great. Uh, so he's set up as a fucking prick of a character. I don't know who plays him. At least played by Simon McBurney. I actually don't know what he's from. Me neither, but I loved him. One of the things that's very consistent about this movie is everyone's motivations. Mm-hmm. And that everyone is doing something for a good reason. And we'll we'll get back to him, but I really felt like no one is evil in this movie because, well, no one is intentionally evil aside from the evil guy. Guy, Except right? for the, the bad, bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everyone else is just trying to do they, their jobs and look after themselves. And, and what they think they're doing is the right thing to do. Yeah. 
Which I guess is also what the bad, bad guy is doing. Like, even though he's doing evil things, he still thinks this is the right way to... <laughs> yeah. The, you know, the ends justify the means kind of stuff. Yeah. Luther, meanwhile, has um, opened up the disc and has gone, I can't access this. This is a red box. And luckily, Brand's there so they can explain what the red box is because <laughs> Brand's a big idiot. It doesn't know anything. Uh, basically, a red box is... It can only open by one person. In this case, it's the Prime Minister of England, of Britain. And it's like, you know, all these different things that he has to do, but only the Prime Minister can do. So they're like, well, that's obviously what uh, Solomon Lane's going to do next. He needs to access the Prime Minister to open this box and get what he needs out of it. They have no idea what's on it at this stage. Uh, so meanwhile, Ilsa takes the disc back to Lane. He says he still trusts her, but he's growing very impatient. However, there's a big uh, spanner in the works because their guys look at the disc. There's actually nothing on it. And she says, I've looked at it. I know that it's a red box. Like, what is it? Yeah. Then they find out there's nothing on the disc. And they're like, okay, Ilsa, you fucked us. So once again, do not know where what Ilsa is doing and who she's siding with or whatever so this was a great twist this was so good because instantly it points to something strange going on and that no one actually knows everything about what they're doing Mm. and I love that the intrigue in this movie was stunningly well plotted I really liked that I think at this point that means Lane doesn't trust Ilsa anymore yeah well yeah I, I got that vibe it wasn't actually stated because again he said well he does that thing with her face yeah, he just the, like the kind Vulcan, of grabs her face Vulcan mind meld which was like yeah he's he sort of it's interesting because I think he also picked up that she didn't know that it was going to be blank yeah and he actually what was the line I, I'm curious to see who you blame this on uh, which is again it's like I want to trust you i want you to be on our side i think that you're 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 why are you why else would you be here unless you were on our side yeah why would you give it why would you come back and give us a blank disc yeah yeah. what's going on here there's a lot of intrigue in this movie Mm. and it's really like it's good solid it all makes sense it all is very well motivated it's a very well written movie Mm. and it's a mission impossible movie And those are things that I'm still coming to terms with. <laughs> oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you are. So they now back in London. Uh, they're all back in London, and they meet at Liverpool train station. Now I was telling you before I was in Liverpool's train station just over a year ago. And it's also where in the first Mission Impossible, when uh, Ethan runs into old mate at the uh, who's been shot, and I can't remember any of their names. It's John Voight. John yeah. Voight's character. Yeah. yeah. So when I was there, it was our last day in London, and my whole thing was great we're going i'm just gonna take a photo at the photo phone booth and like where they were sitting in this scene and then my husband's gonna take photos and it was gonna be great except we got lost we're trying to walk to the station and by the time we got to the train station we only had a very short amount of time to get back to where we were staying to collect our stuff to go to the the airport and ben's like we just don't have time and i cried and threw a tantrum because i didn't get to recreate my photos and ben's like well come back i promise (laughs) but yeah but then we took some good photos in paris from mission impossible fallout so which i still haven't even edited and it's been a year so maybe (laughs) i shouldn't bitch and moan so much anyway there's a special place in my heart liverpool train station because i think about mission Mm. impossible all the time and actually the year before that i'd been in london and i spent a lot of time at that train station and it was just before i became a tom cruise fanatic (laughs) so yeah (laughs) so i missed out twice (laughs) twice in a year Uh, anyway (laughs) I, i digress so ilsa is meeting with ethan so they're meeting and everyone like luther and Brant and Benji all around all on the e-pieces and she's like you knew that you gave me a blank disc and Benji's like no no that was definitely the exact same thing we had so mm. they've realised something's going on 
one and Ethan's like did you have it in your possession the whole time and she's like things back to when she gave it to Atlee she put it down in his newspaper and obviously he's had something under there to wipe like they literally show us the phone deleting the <laughs> files disc oh, <laughs> so good so yeah, Atlee has set her up and he's just throwing it to the bush. She's like, they don't care if we live or die. Mm. Like she kind of has like a, a personal sort of crisis there, there and then because she's like, they don't care if we live or die. Mm. Like we, any side we choose, we think is right because we choose to. Mm. There's no right or wrong, really. They're all as fucked as each other, basically. And so she sort of goes through, here are the different options. And she's like, you can do, you can hand me in, peruse the syndicate, but mm. Lane might get free. Or you can do this, sell them, maybe court, but blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, they're all good options. And she's like, the third option is come away with me right now. So this is the first time that we see Ethan Hunt have kind of a love interest. Not explicit or anything, but it's like, she's just like, I like you. I think you like me. Let's just get out of here. We can do whatever we want. We've got passports. We've got money. We're very, very clever people. We'll be fine. Ethan's just too dedicated to the cause to do that. But you can see he thinks about it. You can see her heart break too. Yeah. (laughs) Like Like, it's it's just tragic. She's been sold out by British intelligence. She's probably going to get killed by Solomon Lane at some point like she's desperate and it's she, like i can't she eh? just wants to take a nap yeah i just... know after all these times like the better times ethan has a shit beaten out of him and then just hobbles off and continues i'm like you just need to sleep my friend <laughs> like you just need to lie down for 12 hours and just not move mm-hmm. and just lick your wounds and but they never seem to have that time good on them i guess i guess that's why they get paid the big imf bucks ethan's like okay well obviously you've been told to give me a message mm-hmm. from lane what is the message so she hands him his phone and he goes to look at it and all it does is like emit a like high frequency sound that fucks with all their audio equipment they're like oh what was that and then it looks around and it's like Brant, luther <gasps> benji's not there benji has been like, captured benji benji so he looks at the phone and he just sees footage of the bone doctor like grinning at the camera mm. with benji and he's like they're in the car park so they run down first the first bit of tom cruise running i think yes this movie has no running yeah no because yeah they haven't yeah, had a chance fair yet point. yeah so, a tiny bit of running they run down the car park see the car screeching out and they've lost Benji and as we know from Ethan like even though part of the job description is you die for the cause Benji will not let his friends mm. or co-workers die unless it's the last resort kind of thing so yeah so now they've got to try and work out how the fuck do we save Benji and also at the same time bring Solomon Lane the most evil dude around in he gets a phone call from Lane the ultimatum is we if you want Benji back you need to bring us the disc by midnight fully unlocked so that's what you got to do and then so they're like the only way to do that is to kidnap the prime minister so guess what they're going to do, guys? Can you guess? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, yeah, again, the outlandishness is just so beautiful. I love how we just have to kidnap the prime minister now. Oh, meanwhile, Ilsa has also gotten away. So we still, once again, don't know, like, is she just going to leave and like, start a new life or is she still working for someone? We don't know. Mm. So they have a big argument about it, what they're going to do. And Ethan's just like, no, if we warn the British that this is what's going to happen, then that's what Lane wants and then that will fuck up. So through, at this point, he actually sounds like a madman. Like yes, he doesn't... This, is, this is exactly, yeah. It's like if you hadn't have seen the movie beforehand, you would not have believed no. what he was saying. And it was like, I love that. 
And because, yeah, you know, only a brand especially hasn't seen what Ethan has seen mm. in this movie so far. So it sounds like the ravings of a madman. And <laughs> he's just like, okay. But, you know, it looks it's kind of like, sometimes Ethan is the only mm. person who sees the truth as it is. Like, mm. we all we all think it's crazy. But, you know, so they, I don't know how they convince him. But Brand on the sly actually does a little sneaky little phone call mm-hmm. to um, Huntley and is like, yeah, so you know, for Ethan to catch the syndicate, he needs to basically kidnap the PM we're about to go there right mm. now yeah just it's your heads up but can yeah. you promise me you won't kill them and Huntley's like <laughs> they go I don't know some royal building I don't I'm not mm. that familiar with royal buildings in London but they go there there's like a, some sort of auction or something going on and the Prime Minister turns up and it's all very flash and Huntley goes and actually says to him oh, there's a national security issue can you please come with me they go to his lavish back room and Attlee is there as well everyone's been briefed and they explain to the Prime Minister Okay, so basically this guy called Ethan Hunt from the IMF is out to get you. He wants to you open this red box that he believes will bring down the syndicate. The Prime Minister's like, the syndicate? Not those guys. That, that can't be. You mean that hypothetical thing you came up with, that Lee, that was never meant to happen? And they're all like, what? Because <laughs> then Huntley's like, wait a minute, the syndicate's real? <laughs> I love this. This was so good. I love it because I love, I, Ethan Hunt is best when he's playing poker and doing the double bluff and getting people to reveal information mm-hmm. that they you know to people that they shouldn't be and that's been one of the highlights of the movie he finally does it here and it was just delicious because not only was uh alec baldwin in the room with him so was uh jeremy renner and everything suddenly they're like oh oh no oh no because they're like hang on a minute does solomon lane ring a bell <laughs> he's like yeah he was a british agent who died right or something like that or and they're like ah oh, shit ethan's been right all Mm-hmm. But luckily that they had it all figured out that, that was gonna the way it was gonna turn because bam, it's a mask. It turns out Atlee was Ethan Hunt all along. I Sucked l- in idiots. <laughs> so happy we got a mask pull. I know, because I even watching it this time, I'm like, hang on, is there a mask in this movie? Like, they yeah. show a mask making machine at one point. But mm. they anyway, there is definitely a mask scene. It was Ethan sneaking around as Atlee and getting all that information divulged. What I love though is the Prime Minister's description of exactly what the syndicate is. Yes. Which is the the idea which I don't think we've actually talked about. The idea of the syndicate is here are all of these agents that we presume are dead that we are going to recruit for British intelligence, which was the original idea behind that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the Prime Minister has explained exactly that this was an operation that we didn't support. It's an operation that we wanted to try and like it was an idea that never moved past the planning stages that is now real. And I just, I love that. I love that that instantly everything makes sense to everyone. And they kind of reveal as well that not only was it only meant to be hypothetical, but Atlee went behind the Prime Minister's back, set it all up. So basically this ledger is actually all of the money, like billions of dollars that were meant to fund this syndicate that was basically yeah, to sort out their bad guys in these really ultra-sneaky espionage ways. So because Atlee put it in place and had Lane as the head guy and Lane flipped it around and turned on him, Atlee's just been scrambling to try and cover it up because he is done goofed up real bad. <laughs> Which explains why he wiped the disc yep. and suddenly everyone makes sense and everyone everyone's motivations at this point in the movie became very clear yes and it was just like okay let, let's go to the fireworks show and uh, and finish this one off uh, because now we know what everyone is here for we know why everyone is doing something we know who we're supposed to be going for and who we're supposed to be going after it's just a deliciously well crafted script in this movie absolutely 
Absolutely. So they set it up so um, well, yeah, sorry, Atlee shoots. So before it's revealed to be Ethan, Atlee shoots the prime minister with a um, tranquilizer dart. Is when he does the big reveal. The real, meanwhile, the real Atlee turns up and he tries to come in. They're like, "Oh, we were told not to let anyone in." He's like, "Who told you that?" He's like you and so Atlee bursts in and everything is completely revealed poor old Prime Minister's like because he's been drugged and I yeah I didn't know if this scene was supposed to be funny or not I think it was a little bit yeah 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 the Prime Minister's drugged out of his mind giving secret code words yeah so he has to to open the red box and like he's like drunkenly slurringly like reading out the little script he has to read out for the voice activation thing it's very cute and he's like Atlee shot me (laughs) (laughs) Which is really cute. Uh, We're now cutting to Benji uh, with Solomon Lane. Solomon's going to do whatever he can to get what he needs. And knowing full well the kind of person Ethan is, that he won't let Benji die unless it's completely out of his control. So they meet up. Benji has a jacket just full of bombs, I guess, on him. A big timer on him. He has the contact in so that Lane can see him. Because I think earlier on, uh, Ethan sees a contact. Mm. Which is, I think, how he knows that it's obviously a former agent. Yeah. Previously, because that's such a, you know, spy sort of level of tech, which they use a lot in the last movie. Mm. So, yeah, Benji's on this bomb and... The thing is that you have to give me this red box mm-hmm. in order for me to give him back. And Ethan has done it, pulled it another little trick up his sleeve. Turns out Ethan can apparently has a photographic memory of preposterous proportions because he says, I'm not giving you the thing because I am the red box. I memorized all the numbers on there. So if you blow us up, you have nothing. Again, Ethan playing poker is best Ethan. Uh, I have no idea whether or not he can memorize all of the numbers or anything like that. I don't think that matters to the scene. No, and Ethan right. and you know, Lane has to trust that like if he blows him up, what if it's true? Yeah. So he can't, it's not really a risky and willing to take. He's done so much to get to this point, he can't just blow it up and hope that he was bluffing. Yeah, no, it was beautifully done. I, I really liked this. And the, the whole sort of moving on to the suicide gambit where he's like, nope, keep them away or shoot me in the head. Uh, let's do everything we can to threaten my life until Benji gets to go away. Like he even gives him $50 million, like says, here's the details for $50 million, transfer it now to see that I'm telling mm. the truth kind of thing, which he does and it's true. So he's like, stops the bomb like a few seconds away. And, and Benji's like, because Benji's the one communicating, like he's just mm. saying all the stuff that Lane is saying. And then when Poison's like, this is me talking, by the way. One day, I told you one day you're going to take this way too far. Hey, it's dude. Like you've, gone, you've gone a little bit too far here. Because <laughs> this is in the middle of like, this is like near London Bridge. Mm. Like, so if that, that blows up, that's a pretty big deal. So yeah, Lane kind of has no choice but to believe him. He ends up giving Benji the code. So Benji can take the jacket off and is no longer at risk and Ethan's kind of giving himself up as the replacement hostage kind of thing I guess you would say. Mm. Meanwhile Lane's like oh the bone doctor's there watching from a distance is like what do you want me to do? He's like kill her I need Ethan alive and then there's a big shootout which would be terrifying. I didn't have you dinner near the fucking <laughs> London Bridge and suddenly there's a fucking shootout. My god. This is where we finally see some Ethan Hunt running, some Tom Cruise running finally. It's actually still not that much. Like they're running through some cobbled streets. He and Elsa are together they're bashing up a few bad guys who come out there's heaps of them coming out from everywhere a car comes shoot the car ethan finally gets to do his jumping over a car 
top without <laughs> falling over, which is, uh, you know, it making up. It was very for sweet looking. Yeah, just real over the top. Uh, they, at one point, they sort of get separated. Um, I think it's kicked through a window. And I actually wrote down, I think this might be a new Tom Cruiseism, is where he gets injured and starts hobbling because there's been a few instances oh. in the, maybe it's just more of an Ethan Huntism where he, he gets injured and just has to hobble away and just keeps going even though he's severely, severely injured. Uh, yeah, I just noticed that. Um, hmm. Ilsa gets confronted by the bone doctor and they decide to have a knife fight. Good old fashioned oh. knife fight. Oh, yeah. Every, okay. So every hit in this movie looks like it hurt. Mm. Like it's a very, very well choreographed fight scene style movie where everyone sells everything. They get hit real hard, it looks like. Yeah, they're like slashing each other and a yeah. few stabs in the legs and stuff. Like, how? Uh... The, yeah, and like it, this is a proper the like a really good use. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen a good knife fight. Right? Yeah, we really don't get to see much. Yeah. It's usually gunfights or fist fights or sword fights. Also, the odd sword fight. Yeah, yeah. The, like, <laughs> like like you know, with sword fights, you've got a lot of you know flinning and a lot of balance and things like that. You can do a lot with a sword, but no, this was literally just trying to stab you while keeping out of your stabbing range. Yeah, and, and Bone Doctor is a big guy too. Mm. So Nilsa's like very small and nimble. So it mm. wasn't. A super fair, except she's small and nimble, so she can kind of go yeah. stab stab before he has a chance to get around. So yeah, it was really really good. And of course, we've got to talk about the ending. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you remember we were talking about her cool climbs up, gets up behind them on their neck, and then you know disarms or whatever. In this case, she does it. She climbs up, swings around, and then just stabs him up through the yeah. chin, up through his head. It was delicious, <laughs> and I I'm loving that signature move. Like it's so instantly distinctive. It's so good. And it's not something you'd ever, unless you know her really well personally, not something you'd expect. Like, you mm. know, that this tiny strong woman just to climb up you and like yeah. knock your head off or whatever and stab you in the face. Yeah, it was like, and it was really good to see that come back yeah. um, as something that she can, she knows how to do. And this movie actually had, now that I think about it, a lot of really good callbacks, not just to itself, but also to the other Mission Impossible movies. Mm. I really liked that the first scene where we see the director of the CIA calling the MIF on their stuff is literally, this is all of the stuff in the previous movie that caused massive pop property damage and did not give us any intelligence. The Kremlin exploded. Uh, you stole from the CIA yep. in the first, and I, I was like, oh, okay, so that's what we're doing here now. We're trying to turn this into a series. Well, even that... Huntley says, like, my first dealings <laughs> with the IMF were when I was working at the CIA and they fucking busted in and stole shit from us, like, yeah. from the first movie. So, yeah, they actually do like and making this more of a special little world yeah and it was really nice to see that this movie was actually the stuff that we're seeing get set up get paid off yeah and what's great about a lot of these is that you don't actually realize they're a setup you think mm. they're just a cool moment in the movie yeah until it comes back to a massive you know audience cheer I yeah it was a really cool little aspect of very the movie. nice so meanwhile ethan's limping around and we see lane and it's kind of like that horror movie thing where the bad guy is just slowly walking <laughs> and the good guy's like oh god and then he just keeps following him and never like losing momentum mm -hmm. uh, yeah so ethan like smashes through a window into like this empty building that's like a construction site you see lane is still following him and so he's there's a big like open hole in the floor so ethan just slides down and falls down there so when 
Ethan, uh, Lane comes up and looks down. Ethan's like lying there, like, ah, oh, <laughs> shit, I've been, I've been, <laughs> I've been had. Like, Lane, you've got me. So Lane just nimbly jumps down and is like, finally, we can fight each other one on one. And Ethan's like, can you though? Can <laughs> you? And this weird, like, glass door thing just goes jump in front of him. And someone's like, what the fuck? And starts to try to shoot. And then suddenly Benji appears and Luther and everyone appears. And he's like, that's shooting. And then he realizes he's actually in a glass box, much like how Ethan was captured at the start of the movie. And they're like, everyone, this is Solomon Lane. Solomon Lane, this is everyone. We've caught you. And Lane's like, and they fill it with gas. And yeah. He, he pops off like I counted somewhere around 30 rounds yeah. with his without reloading out of his little handgun, which was really, really nice. And again, it called back to the, the opening scene in the record store, which I love because, you know, of course, Ethan's trapped in a glass box. He tries to shoot the glass. Turns out It's a real reverse. And one of the things that they talk about in this movie is how the syndicate is an anti-MIF. They're like the opposite. And what they're doing here is that Solomon is supposed to be the evil Ethan Hunt mm-hmm. who prepares for everything and knows what everyone's moves are going to be. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Ethan does the Ethan thing and knows what, of course, this is what I would do in this situation. So this is what you're going to do. And it's just, it's really, really nice to sort of see that level of interplay between, you know, because the villains in the Mission Impossible movies have never been as intricate I don't think no they've been a bit more brash in their approaches like you look at in the third movie how Philip Seymour Hoffman was just like <laughs> everything gets blown up he was an arms dealer so I guess mm. maybe that's that's a little bit of the difference is that the yeah, different different kinds of criminals but yeah like someone's so intelligent and so on the same page in terms of skills as mm. Ethan but and it's also Ethan could be Solomon Lane if Ethan turned bad which he never will let's be honest mm. but if he did then he would be Solomon Lane he'd be almost impossible and so only only those two it's kind of like the Joker and Batman mm. thing like they need each other kind of the other thing that I really liked about this as well is it's made very clear that uh, Solomon wasn't killed yes and that's I think the first time we've seen one of the bad guys survive. Yes. Because if he die, also, if he does die, then they've got no proof of the syndicate and Ethan might still be in trouble. So kind of had no choice, but I'm glad they kept him alive because the amount they could learn from him and also they need to get, Atlee mm. needs to get in some trouble for what he's done. And on the whole, this movie had a lower body count than I think most of the other Mission Yeah, it probably did movies. actually. Yeah. Um, obviously there were some justifiable deaths. Yes. But it's nice to see, you know, like the bad guy didn't have their head knocked off or wasn't hit by a car or anything like that. It yeah. was actually a very, it seemed like a real effort, Ethan trying not to kill people. Yeah, because, yeah, someone's thinking, because even in the first Mission Impossible, I don't think he uses a gun. I don't think he fires a gun once. No, I don't think he does. So I think they were kind of setting up, like, it's not just wham, bam, kill mm. everyone you can sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, Ethan's, yeah, more about what no. smart ways can we go about bringing our bad guys in. So, yeah, he's put into this <laughs> box. Ethan just knocks the box over. They put mm. it into a truck and says goodbye to Ilsa. It's seems like she's going to go off and make her own way in the world. They have a nice big tender moment where they have a nice big hug and she's like, you have what you need to find me. Setting it up for another movie. But um, <laughs> yeah, she she goes off and they've, they've caught our bad guy and we sort of finished the movie on Huntley where they started off with in this like tribunal court kind of thing and Huntley is now fighting for the IMF and he's actually, they're like, hang on a minute, you're the one who wanted to disband it. And he's like, well actually, we 
had to pretend, we needed to disband it to help Ethan facilitate the scene because, you know, if the IMF was still allowed to operate, it would it would blow his cover kind of thing. So yeah, it was all a big elaborate plan. And yeah, so the IMF is reinstated and the new secretary is now Alec Baldwin, a.k.a. Huntley. And what a nice, nice package little bow on top. It's really good. I really liked that they wrap, and this is a, a thing, it's interesting, Mission Impossible movies always wrap up relatively nicely. Mm. Uh, but this and the last one to lesser degree, but they also keep it open enough that you know that there's going to be more of this franchise, which is, it's really good that they've um, they've been able to do that. Wrap it up. like Wrap it up so that if there's no more movies, yeah. it's fine, but also it's still just a little bit open so that yeah, so you that can they've, see some more adventures. They've got some some string to pull on to yeah. make the next movie really, really interesting as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited for you to watch uh, Mission Impossible Fallout because if you like this movie, I don't think anyone can watch Fallout and not love it, especially mm-hmm. if you like action movies, but really good. So I look forward to hearing what you have to say about that. Okay, but yeah. Rogue Nation also, because we didn't mention it, refers to what Solomon Lane's trying to do. He's trying to create his own Rogue Nation to do Which is why he needs the startup money that's on the red box. It's, yeah. Yeah, it all, it all comes together very nicely. So uh, let's have a little chat about about Tom Cruise's, not a huge amount in this one. No. So running was minimal. Um, I mean, obviously stunts, mm-hmm. just 10 million stunts everywhere you look, stunts, stunts, stunts. And yeah, if you can see the behind the scenes on like the Blu-ray or whatever, I highly recommend them because yeah, Christopher McQuarrie loves sharing all that stuff. So they go into detail, like how they set up for everything and it's magnificent. So yeah, stunts, or obviously Tom Cruise, uh, Rebecca Ferguson, I think did a lot of her stunts. They show how they would, how they did the um, car going down the steps and everything like those, all those car chases. So yeah, really, really good stunts. But like, yeah, apart from that, not a lot. I mean, that's why I was like, is Ethan Hunt limping now kind of? Because it, it happens in a bunch, like it happens in the last Mission Impossible. It happens this one, happens in the next one. So it's mm. kind of but okay. more of an Ethan Huntism. Okay, know. interesting. Yeah, what else? Like we don't get that. We don't really get like Tom Cruise doing his like bewildered kind of like what the fuck kind of expression. Oh, uh, we got we got once. Did we? When the uh, concert hall fight. Yeah. When the beam rose up. Oh, yeah, yeah. We did too. We got yes. The, got that one. The, the, I can't He's like, do that. What the? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? It's kind of like that. Yeah. That Tom Cruise is kind of like. What kind Why? of face? Uh, we didn't get his, you know, the Tom Cruise big smile, mm. clap kind of thing that Tom Cruise loves to do. There was no laugh? No laugh? No Tom Cruise laugh, yeah. So even though there was a little bit of comedy, like the comedy happened when Tom Cruise was barely alive, racing was, in a car, so. It's the first time that I can remember Tom Cruise actively being comedic. Like he was he was doing a, like I said, it was like a Three Stooges, very deliberately, I'm trying to make you laugh. Yep. Style thing. It's really good. It's a sign of a good comedian that he wasn't laughing at his own jokes Mm. he was just dealing with it and i think maybe because that scene was so funny is why they decide why he decided not to laugh in that movie i don't know maybe yeah (laughs) yeah i like i really like how they've brought because the last movie where they brought a lot more comedy in than had been in the three previous films Mm. and i won't spoil anything for the next movie so (laughs) you can all just watch that yourselves but yeah i really like that because it is there's so much going on it's so intense like you just need to be able to go ha ha that was really funny thank god I can like relax and exhale for a moment. Um, yeah, so Tom Cruise's there actually aren't a lot. There's no grenades because we know Tom Cruise loves pulling out grenades mysteriously. <laughs> None of that. So uh, yeah, very minimal. Tom 
Tom Cruise-isms, but that's okay. You can't all can't be, win them all. We can't be all like Mission Impossible 3 where it's 17 minutes of Tom Cruise running, <laughs> which is still fine. But yeah, well, it's, in that case, we're at the point where we might be able to rate this movie. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? Oh, well, why don't you go first? Okay. Give me a feeling of what you thought. Well, to clarify, so I really like this movie. The stunts are really great, but it's not my favorite. Obviously, Fallout's favorite. If you don't know that by now, you have obviously only just joined this podcast because it's all I talk about. Yeah, I think three and four are my next favorite. So even though this movie fucking rules, there's so bad. I love so many of the other movies as well. It's really hard. I mean, basically, number two is down the bottom. Like even number one, I love, but it would probably be my second least favorite movie because just by virtue of the other ones being so good. Anyway, I really love this movie. I'm going to give it four and a half sexy jumping off a pole shirtless. <laughs> Okay. out of five okay. I don't know how to describe that but yeah honestly I'm gonna I'm going to share a video of that on my social media because it is it, it is, is incredible it is an incredible use of Tom Cruise's strength and his handsome body and yeah I'm gonna share that so yeah I'm gonna go four and a half because I can't get to five yet because we haven't watched Fallout yet well okay so I'm really interested to see Fallout now because I've like I said I I've binged watched these in preparation to watch this movie to try and there's certain things that I've picked up and there's certain stuff this is the first time where genuinely i thought not only does everything make sense but everything is also rolling at the right pace and everything is coherent nothing is sort of wait there's no wasted movement in mm-hmm. this movie everything that they do moves it moves the plot forward yeah. or moves some character forward and i really really like that again it, it's hard because certainly i certainly i didn't like three much and <laughs> two is a nightmare four i i i got four was very uh, uh started to show some of the character that these movies are starting to have but this was just a smorgasbord of how much fun these movies can be so i'm actually i'm gonna be con- i'm actually gonna give it five Five shirtless pole jumps. <laughs> five shirtless pole jumps out of five. Um, nice. What this does mean is that I may actually break the rating system <laughs> if we decide to do Fallout. <laughs> yeah, I reckon Fallout is going to be where we break uh, break all of that. But yeah, five, that's awesome. I'm really glad that you really enjoyed it this was, movie. It was really good, and it was it was nice to sort of I, I I have a better feeling of what they're trying to do with these movies yes. now as opposed to the first three, which felt a little bit disjointed and incoherent it was really good to sort of see a direction mm-hmm. starting to form in four and get a much more solid in the, the Which fifth is one maybe why they decided Krista McCrory is like that was really good man you just want to keep going he's like yeah it is also one really quick thing that I wanted to mention as well is yep. that this is the second time that they did the TV style credits introduction I think it, no I think it's the first because the first one had it oh yeah the first one, first one had and it then too. the second and third ditched it and yeah. I was like, hey, what the... And then they brought it back for four, five, Yeah, six. and it, it's really, really good. I Like, it's such a good plot device and it does sort of link it back to the TV show that it's based on. Mm-hmm. And I just, I loved that because instantly I knew that's someone I have to pay attention to when they show up on screen. And I, it's a really, really clever little narrative device. Yeah, so. it's really it's really cute. And yeah, if you've never watched the movie and it's all new to you, you wouldn't know to pick up and you wouldn't, you wouldn't pick up on much. But yeah, you can watch it and go, okay, I yeah, see what's happening here. So yeah, it's... It's a, it's a really clever little device and I love it. And mm. I'm glad they've t- decided to continue with it. Well, I 
think that's probably it for us. We've uh, now reviewed the movie, we've rated it, and yeah, uh, once again, where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter at roleplay underscore James, or you can hire me to run your role-playing game at uh, gm4hire.com.au. Wonderful. Uh, once again, it's Tom Cruise Reviews on Instagram, Tom Cruise Review without the S on Twitter, or just my website, tomcruisereviews.com. Once again, Jimmy, thank you so much for joining us. and. Dissecting that movie beautifully. Thanks for having me. This is a blast. <laughs> Wonderful. Catch us next week. We're going to do a little mini-sode. So you can listen to our dulcet tones once again next week. And in the meantime, we'll catch you then. Bye. Bye.